Welcome back to Floral Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Alyssa. And today we finally have a... I love how we always start out the episode with, and, and today. <laughs> <laughs> and today, tonight, this evening, this afternoon, whenever you're listening, we have a wonderful guest, our good friend Keely. Hi, well, everyone. Welcome, Keely. Thanks for coming on the Floral Couch. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. We love Keely for many reasons, but we love her. <laughs> One of the reasons is because she's a loyal Floral Couch listener. Yes, I am. Every Monday morning, I do my reports at work and listen to the Floral Couch conversation of the week. That makes us so happy. Like, you don't even know. <laughs> it really does. So, Keely is our good friend from college. We've known her for many years. Yeah, so Keely, we met in college. I don't think I really got to know you super well until a little bit later in college, but I met you through your fiance, actually. Yeah, so Emily and Alyssa were both friends with my fiance, Tom, and so when Tom and I started dating a little bit later in college, so I think he was a junior and I was a sophomore when we started dating, that's when I got introduced to this friend group, and as we've continued to date and are now engaged, we I've been very lucky, lucky to have all of them in my life, too. I actually had a class with you before Tom started dating oh, you, yes. and I remember when Tom was like, I'm dating this girl, Keely, and I was like, hey, I know her, but I didn't know anything about you until I actually met you through Tom, so. Yes, that's true. We also had that instance where you were working in the dorm that I lived in, and I ran downstairs oh, yeah. and was like, there's a wedding outside, and you were like, cool, and I was like, they're really pretty. So like, full circle. You're in my theology class. <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are on the floral couch. Wait, were you guys in the same dorm? Or um you because you lived in Grace. Yes, the, I did. The year for her freshman year, Keely's oh. freshman year. And well we were sophomores. We were there sophomore we were like loser sophomores on the fifth floor of Grace. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I was a loser sophomore on the second floor of Grace my sophomore year, so it it oh, happened. I didn't know that. Yeah, surprise. That's where Tom and I started dating. I was, in, well, not there, but I was in Grace Hall. So while you were in college and making friends and meeting your eventual fiance, <laughs> what were you studying and how did you decide to go that route? Yeah, so it's a really good question. So I was actually um, a creative writing major, so English with a creative writing emphasis, and then a minor in communications and journalism. So I always joke that I had like the longest major title possible there. <laughs> but I always really loved writing and loved writing creatively uh, when I was growing up. And so that's what I always pictured myself doing in college. Um, I also wanted to be an editor or a publisher. And so that I that was the best route for me to take to get there. But as I went on in my college career, I realized that being an editor or a publisher wasn't quite the right route for me. I still really like it, but I wanted something that was more social. And so I turned to um, education. And so that's how I ended up where I am now, which is I um, I work currently work at uh, one of the private colleges in the Twin Cities in their financial aid department. Before that, I worked at a high school, though, as a college and career counselor. Um, I was actually doing AmeriCorps there when I was at the high school. And so I did two terms of AmeriCorps working with high school seniors, helping them get into college, do financial aid applications, apply for scholarships, that type of thing. Um, and then after that was done, I had kind of fallen in love with the whole like higher education journey and wanted to 
keep stay in it um but decided that I wanted to do it more from the college perspective so that's when I started working I work at St. Kate's now so I went over to their financial aid department and have been there for about three and a half years do you see yourself there like pretty long term it's a good question um I definitely like I like St. Kate's and I think financial aid is really interesting I don't know if it is something that I'm going to stay in forever, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see myself either moving around in higher education or moving into kind of a similar sector, but maybe like an education nonprofit or something like that. So um, I'm getting my graduate or my master's degree. I'm in grad school at St. Kate's right now, which is part of my like employee benefit of being there is I can be in grad school. Um, so uh, I'll stay there as long as I'm in grad school and probably a little bit after um, but then, depending on how that works out, kind of see what I want to do and kind of reevaluate my life there. Yeah. So going back to AmeriCorps, I have a couple of friends who have done that. And so how did you decide to get into that after graduation? Like, how did you hear about it? Yeah, so really good question. Um, so I graduated a year early from college. So I was in this weird place where I um, wasn't really doing the same thing as all my friends because all my friends were in their junior year and I was in my senior year and kind of (laughs) started panicking and was like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I want to do. Like, I really like education. I think I want to stick in there. Um, And I saw that. So I was supposed to go to a job fair just to like apply for a bunch of jobs. But then for some reason, I wasn't able to go. I can't remember why. So I just looked up like the list of all of the places that were going to be there. And one of them was College Possible with an AmeriCorps position. And so I started looking into it and really liked uh, the organization. So College Possible is a nonprofit that's um, actually based in the Twin Cities, but it works now nationally and has um, locations across the United States as well as, but their headquarters is here. Um, And so I was like, oh, I really like, you know, their mission. They work with low income students and help them get to and through college. So they work with them until they complete a bachelor's degree um, and starting with them when they are, I think, So they start the programming when they're juniors, but they start recruiting when they're sophomores um, in high school. And so I just thought that was a really interesting opportunity and really liked the idea of doing service and being able to give back to the community. And it was kind of a really good transition for me because I kind of had this weird time in my life where like a lot of my friends were still going to be in college, um, but I didn't know if I was quite sure about what I wanted to do permanently. And so it was like a good kind of transition phase for me to do that for a couple of years. I went in thinking I would just do one year and then move from there. Um, but I really kind of fell in love with my students and fell in love with the position and decided to stay for that second year of AmeriCorps too. I, or I always like to ask questions like that. Like, how did you decide to what to do after graduation? Because I had no idea what to do. And I still, well, I've kind of figured it out now, but I'm taking kind of a different path, but but I, all I knew to do was just to like look at job boards and apply for jobs. And I was like, not, a, not sure if I wanted to do them, but I was like, I need a job. So take me. And so now I'm like, oh, I wish I would have known about these different like options I could have taken. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, I feel like I more so knew what I wanted to do after college, but I keep hearing like even our friends that have different unique experiences or just like meeting people with all these like different journeys. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was an option. Like I never could have like fathomed that because I was just unaware of all these life paths. 
Yeah, it was funny because um, the being in AmeriCorps, I was with, I mean, a huge group. I, there was over 100 of us core members there at a time. And there was so every person came to it with a really different perspective. There are a lot of people who were just really passionate about doing service and then just happened to get placed there. Um, or people who knew about the organization separately or had friends who worked there or, you know, some random connection to it. And then I always felt kind of weird because I was like, oh, I just like saw this and thought it looked interesting and then got offered a position and went for it. And I'm just like the type of person who like always needs to have a plan. And so this was a thing that I could apply for like super early. Like I actually had like the position before Christmas of my senior year, which is like super 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 early to have something lined up for the year afterwards but I was like okay now I don't have to think about it I can just have like fun in the spring and just like finish my classes so so smart seriously and there was me like panicking into the summer after graduation like give me a job well I like realized afterwards I was like you could have just chilled out a bit but I mean it ended up working really well so I would like definitely recommend looking into it for anyone who just is looking for something to do and you don't have to do it right out of college either there are people who had been working for a while and then just like took a year off to do that um or for whatever reason had like some sort of I guess like gap in their resume and filled it with AmeriCorps service so it is definitely a really interesting option to look into that is a good point that you could like it doesn't have to be right out of graduation like if you're someone who's looking for like a career change or just like want to try something it's like an easy way to to try something new yeah definitely and it's easier to explain that like you said a gap on your resume than just like traveling the world or yeah. something not that you can't explain that away but right yeah you still are gaining like I gained a lot of really awesome career skills from there because everyone I was working with pretty much was a young professional so we were really in the same boat and we were you know working independently we were in high schools by ourselves four days a week I was teaching, I was counseling, I had to learn all about like the college systems in particularly Minnesota, but also just the upper Midwest. So there was a time when I could name like every single school in the like tri-state area and like their mascot and like their GPA acceptance, average acceptance rate, and, like stuff like that. Um, and then I also just learned a lot about like the higher education system itself, um, financial aid, scholarships in the area. So it ended up being like a lot of really great information and like a really great knowledge set that I could bring to my current job. And then, I mean, as long as, or along with learning those basic like entry level career skills of like emailing and professional communication mm -hmm. and leading and strategizing and stuff like that. What was the training process like for that? Like, did they give you a lot of a lot of that information that you'd need or like training for how to counsel the students? Yeah, our training was really intensive. So we had um, almost a month of training before we were actually in the school. So we they actually start their training, I think, like around this week of August. So like early to mid-August. And the first week was always you trained with like all of the staff and core members from like the whole country would like come to Minnesota and train here. Um, and then after that, you would have like more individualized training based off of your role, um, your school, stuff like that. And then throughout the year, and this is like as long as I was there at least, um, we also trained every Friday. So we would have meetings and trainings on Friday. So you would, so like, for example, we wouldn't train on like how to complete a FAFSA until closer to when the FAFSA application mm -hmm. opened up. Cause we, you don't need to know that in August. Yeah, mm -hmm. That makes sense. Going back to like learning email and 
work culture things I feel like that's such a beast in itself and it takes a while to get used to I feel like too that everyone has their own style and it's hard to let go of your email style like I have to proofread like emails sometimes or whatever and like I'm like no let this go this is nitpicky like it's just like you have your own voice in email I don't know no that totally makes sense have you had to let your own voice go my own voice not when I'm sending an email but so you think your style is the best I mean I (laughs) am open to improvement (laughs) but I also don't want to lose my voice like people know how I email (laughs) I always have to go and like delete exclamation points because same yes I do that too I'm the type of person who like if you don't send me exclamation points in your text, I just assume you're mad at me. Same. So, okay, I'm glad. Well, so actually, did I tell you guys that for work we did this, like, generational trivia thing? And oh, yeah, it you talked did talk about, about a story mm-hmm. where, yeah, this girl thought this guy was mad at her. Like, her boss was mad because she he, he didn't use any exclamation points. And the coworkers I was sitting with were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, dude, that's me. <laughs> like, if you don't use an exclamation point, I'm going to come and make sure you're not pissed. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've really had to, like, talk myself out of that. And I read an email and like, no, they're not mad. This is just a business email. Right. right. They're being direct. I'm <laughs> like, you don't need to be this happy when you're, like, emailing a student about your loans. Like, you can take out, like, all these exclamation points right. around here. Yeah. Well, I, I, part of my job is to edit thing, like, edit copy edit and um, make things sound better in writing and like using the tone and style that my company has like established as part of their brand and exclamation points is like not a thing that we use because it's like too like cute like we're not trying to yeah. be like oh sure uh, cutesy or like too <laughs> like I don't know the word but and so I'm always like no no exclamation points like take these out so I don't know but in text, I will use several. And then I have to edit my own emails to like, okay, you don't need three exclamation points. Yeah. So. Or I use two exclamation points in like um, subsequent sentences. And I'm like, stop. Right. <laughs> We're not this happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of generations in the workplace. So you touched a little bit on your grad school, but what actually is the program Yeah, so it is a master's in organizational leadership, which is out of the School of Business. So think of it as kind of like an MBA, but um, the way that uh, they break their programs down or how it's been explained to me is that uh, the MBA programs are more at looking at like marketing, management, maintaining the business as it is. And um, the organizational leadership component looks at more of leading change, uh, strategy, more of like I want to say like the bigger ideas of like how to move something forward um, and then also how to like introduce more like diverse or new ideas into a company or an organization. Um, It's also more broad. So it's something that you could apply to something like, you know, like a a corporate business um, or it could be something that could be looked at more from like a healthcare standpoint or um, there's a certificate for nonprofit management in there or education or uh, kind of more of like a softer skill type of thing that you can that's more broad and can be related to more things or more different organizations this reminds me 
side note, has Tom ever told you about our organizational communication class that we took together? I knew that you took that class, but I don't remember a lot. Is this the one where you wrote about Panera? It is. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. See, I I listened. So I took this organizational communication class in college because with Tom, Keely's fiance, we were both communication journalism majors and... We, for the first like few months of the class, we were like, what is this class? Like it is common sense. Like we are just <laughs> learning how to like role play as a manager in a workplace. <laughs> and it was like a, a manager X and a manager Y. And like you just had to know that manager X was the mean manager and manager Y was like the one who was going to help you solve your problems and the nice manager and we we would do like workplace role plays in the class and it was just like really strange and Tom always thought it was like kind of a pointless class but I actually got really into it and like got <laughs> really into the research project that I did which was about socialization in the workplace so like oh, how okay. companies take a new person and like help them get acclimated to the culture and um so I did a research project on Panera and how they socialize their workers and how it's like good to have or like the effect of giving someone a buddy when you when you bring them on and like how that helps them get acclimated to the organization and I like got so into it went to because I worked at a Panera and went went to Panera and like interviewed all the workers and my old manager and like wrote this like 20 page research paper and then when I presented it I was like so excited that I went like 20 minutes over the time that was supposed to be and they were like okay wrap it up and I like got super flustered and like accidentally like flew like threw a bunch of stuff off the desk (laughs) so I like the keyboard just like fell on the floor and so long story long Tom always makes fun of me because I got really into that class and he thought it was dumb. And so now I think That's it's funny that you're like getting a master's in organizational like leadership. Like the same thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he has to listen to me like talk about it all the time now. So it's just karma for him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's so relevant though, because like those are like all of the conversations we're having at my workplace right now. It's just like we always do engagement surveys and it's how mm-hmm. do we make change happen? Because we have, like, baby boomers and all the way through, like, obvi- gen, like, Gen Zers. And it's everyone wants different things. So how do we make change and still make people comfortable? So I feel like it's so relevant to any organization. And, like, any type of position, any job. Like, that was just an associate, like, sandwich salad maker person at Panera and how, like, the conclusion of the research paper was like how beneficial it was to just like give them someone to say like, Hey, this is your partner. You're matched up with them for your first five shifts. They're going to teach you everything. And like, if you ever need anything there, they'll be there for you. And every, ever since then, all the jobs I've started, like no one's done that for me. And really, I feel like it's been kind of stressful. And like, that's such a simple thing that Mm -hmm. they could just be like, Hey, match up with this person right there was one job where they did that for me like six months in and just like hey we're starting this mentorship program but no I feel like I feel like that's just a very simple thing that could be implemented yeah quick win yeah (laughs) a lot of times when we're looking at change in our class so something else is my program is very research-based so I'm like always doing a research project (laughs) because I like follow me on Instagram I'll you'll see me complaining about my papers all the time but 
we so in our classes a lot we talk about um how change can be really simple so it can be something as simple as just having a training for one hour or maybe not even that long or something as simple as yeah like having a buddy program for even just like the first week of Mm -hmm. someone coming to a new job or having um like a specialized time for people to get to know each other in the workforce or in your you know, like organization or in your department, if you have huge age gaps or sometimes change is so simple, but when you're in an organization and when you're working and you're focused on your role or you're focused on just meeting your goals or your initiatives or, you know, making a simple change, like maybe you're moving to a paperless system or you are bringing in a new software or something, you get so wrapped up in that, that sometimes even a really simple change or like to solve what could be a really complex problem seems really overwhelming. And so it's really beneficial to train leaders to be able to look and say like, okay, what is the problem here? What does that problem boil down to? And what is the most simple but yet effective way to solve that? So that's what we look at a lot in class, which is really interesting because it's fun then to go to work and then look around and be like, oh, there's this problem. There could be this really easy solution for it, you know? So it's fun to like look at different workspaces then with that lens. I think that's really cool. You're like speaking to my soul right now because we're going through this huge like system conversion and like it's all anyone focuses on. And then like, I don't know. It's so interesting. I feel like I need to go take your classes. You can do a certificate. (laughs) (laughs) It's only five classes. Just don't say quick win anymore. (laughs) <laughs> that's like it's a like project corporate speak yeah I've ever heard. it's plaguing my vocabulary what was the other thing I caught myself saying the other day low-hanging fruit and like I was like I need to stop <laughs> <laughs> please advise <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you a uh, 15 minutes back in your day oh my gosh that's the worst <laughs> one <laughs> what has been your favorite research project so far or have you done enough to have a favorite yeah, I definitely have done enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we do one almost every class. So I think the most, the one that I was probably the most proud of um, was last fall with a group of people in my class. I did a project on um, like the changing workforce and like how universities can better meet changing workforce needs with their graduate program offerings. Um, so we were actually collaborating with uh, some people at St. Kate's in order to do this project. And so we learned a lot of really interesting information on how the workforce has changed, not only in like the last like 20 years, but also the last just couple of years. So things like one of the fastest growing populations for higher education is a graduate certificate. And I think it was in 2016, there were like 38,000 people who graduated with a graduate certificate. Um, And so more and more colleges were adding that because it was a really easy way for people to get quick specialized training um, that they maybe needed for their job or that they needed in order to feel like they could leverage a promotion or Mm -hmm. um, move in or get a higher salary or something like that. Um, And how kind of in general, like the graduate programming has shifted away from what it used to be that was often more like arts focused or um, academic focus. So you'd see people get, you know, a higher degree because they wanted to be a professor or they wanted to go into academia or they wanted to um, really know a lot about literature or something. And now we're seeing more graduate programs that are 
you know, how to excel in the business field, how to be a better communicator, how to, you know, maybe you're a nurse, but you want to be, you know, a someone who's leading in healthcare. So healthcare leadership. So we're seeing more of those types of like leadership, business analytics, obviously like the STEM fields are always really big. Mm-hmm. Um, so just seeing like how those, the dynamics of the workforce have shifted to want more education from people um, in a lot of ways. Um, and then how universities are trying to keep up with that offering. That's probably my favorite one that I did just because it was like very all-encompassing and it was a type of research that I had never done before because we were looking at like research that currently existed and past literature and articles and stuff that had been written on it, but then also doing our own analysis um, at our college of um, and making suggestions to them on things to do. Um, so it was just really interesting because we got to be very hands-on with the data. This might be a dumb question, but what does it take for a university to offer a certificate program? Like, do they have to be, does it have to be like an accredited program? And what does that even really mean? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So I don't know how much I know off the top of my head. So take this with a grain of salt. Um, Typically, I think that in order to offer most things, they would need some sort of accreditation, um, particularly if that was going to use like financial aid or something like that. Mm-hmm. There are typically standards that a university would want to have in place. So a lot of times they, when you're added, adding a certificate program, I think you're looking at what programs you already have and how you can build a, spe- a special certificate out of those courses or add a course or add an emphasis to something that you already okay. have as opposed to like adding a totally new program. So right. like if you were like, so if you're like St. Thomas where we all went to school, it would be easy for them to add something in their business programs because mm-hmm. their like MBA program is already really strong. So to add a certificate in that, but it would probably be harder for them to like bring in something that they've never done before. So if they were going to add a theater certificate or something, that would probably yeah. be really hard. Yeah. So no, that makes sense. Yeah. And then accreditation is just like a set of standards that the college has to meet um, in order to be considered, you know, accredited. And so the accreditation shows that they, um, you know, are meeting certain levels in their coursework and that they're, the graduates of those classes are, you know, getting jobs in those fields or doing well and that the people who are teaching that um, and are qualified to teach and that their um, material is relevant and for the topic that they're teaching. Okay. There's different types of accreditation, too, and that's what you see in different types of schools. So people can be either nationally or um, regionally accredited, typically. That makes sense. It's very confusing to me. So (laughs) I don't work in the accreditation department. (laughs) I don't think I would be very good at it. So that's my very loose understanding. So there could be some aspects that are wrong. I feel like I didn't know, like, I mean... I didn't pay attention when picking schools about, like, accreditation, but I remember it was, like, a big deal because didn't St. Thomas's like, law school lose, lose its accreditation for one year? Maybe I made that up. I, that sounds familiar, but I don't know anything okay. Yeah, I don't know. It. It's not that relevant. <laughs> yeah. I think that when the, the, the majority of schools that, like, a senior in high school is going to be looking at are probably accredited colleges, so, like, the U of M's, the yeah. state schools, um, most like big private schools in your area or big is just like well-recognized yep. name schools are going to have the right accreditation. But 
Um, so when you're looking at things more like maybe an online program or distance education, it's something that you probably want to pay more attention to. Um, just because those are, that's where maybe you don't know because you won't have as much experience with that school. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to go down a deep hole of accreditation, but I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a buzzword to me. Like, just as someone who's recently been doing like grad school research, I'm always like, oh, accredited. Like, it's just <laughs> something that like a school has on its website. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit that that project you did was a group project. And as someone that follows you on Instagram, um, I, I saw that uh, groups aren't always the easiest to work with. Do you want to talk a little bit about group projects and how those work? Yeah. So <laughs> the same semester. Um, so this was a group project that I was working on. Um, and we did have a group member in our group project who was not very helpful. <laughs> um, and one time I was like very annoyed about it. And so I posted a story on Instagram. Um, and like from there, so many people responded to my Instagram story. Like people I know, I'm not famous, but like <laughs> people were yeah. like, oh my gosh, I so relate to this. This is so funny. Oh my gosh, I love these updates or whatever. So then I just like kept posting group project updates on like this crazy group member I had. So essentially, I had just kind of like the classic, you know, working with a group of people in life, but like mostly in college where you have one person who just does not do anything is like the least helpful (laughs) person ever. And it got to a point where like we had written like this huge. So we wrote our paper in like sections and each one was, I mean, like an undertaking because it had so much research in it and so much work involved and it was like a million pages Um, And so we had just, so another group member and I had just finished writing like this huge paper. We had done like the whole thing and we're like, okay, person X, can you please just like edit this paper? Like, can you just like read over it and make sure it looks good? Like we're both like strong writers, but can we like pretend that you did something? (laughs) Um, And so it was in Google drive. And so I like left it alone, like went and ate dinner or something. And I came back and she was, or she had texted us and was like, okay, like I totally edited it. Like everything looks great you know, like, go ahead and look. And I went, and the only thing that she had done, because in Google Drive, you can track changes, so you mm-hmm. can see what happened. She had just taken one paragraph and switched the whole paragraph into passive voice, which is, like, the opposite of what you want to do. Yes. <laughs> and so I was, like, so mad. And this just, like, became, like, a reoccurrence with this group member. Is like, we would be like, okay, can you please help us? And then she would do something that was the opposite of helping. And then she would act like she had done like, the most and deserved, like, the biggest trophy ever and, like, the most credit ever. I and will. it just got to the point that it was just almost – it was just hilarious to us. Um, at one point, we actually, like, made a fake version of the paper and, like, gave her that one to work on while we, like, worked on the real one because every time she touched it, she would change something. And that's really bad. And, like, I'm sure we should have, like, handled that conflict better, but we just really needed to get it done And it got to a point where we're like, we can't just ask you to fix these things anymore. Yeah. Sometimes it's like not your job to fix her. So you just have to like, (laughs) right? just just like bless and release. Do what you got to do to get through. Yeah. And it's your greed on the line too. So. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, we had asked her multiple times to please do her part and add things and go back and edit. And it just was getting to the point where she wouldn't do it and wouldn't do it. And we would say, you know, like we've been working really hard on this. Like we really need your stuff, like in order to turn this in. 
And she was like, I calculated it out. And if we don't turn this in, we can still get a C and pass. And we were like, okay, so you don't care. <laughs> oh my so gosh. that's the point when we were just like, all right, we don't. So did you have to like rate your group members? I was just wondering that. We, I can't remember in this class actually. You know, I think that we did. I think that we had to turn something into our professor that we that just like, like said yeah, who did what I remember a story you yes you were, oh, like, i actually think that we did filling out the <laughs> yeah probably form. i mean i think that we at the end like i'm sure i think our professor probably just like gave us all the same grade or whatever we got like the same grade on our final paper which was an a so i'm sure that would have been enough to pull her out of whatever depth she probably put herself in through her <laughs> reviews but yeah, I, we were just, like, very glad it was over, and we didn't let her do, like, our final presentation to our client or anything, because we were like, we don't trust you. So I did it, which was fine. <laughs> so what are the other people in your classes trying to do? Like, are they in, are they already working in, like, a business and wanting to add more to their education, or are they mostly people who just, like, wanted to go right into grad school after college? Yeah, so, um something that I really like about my program is just how diverse the backgrounds are of the people in it. Um, so the program requires that you've been working for at least two years before you can even apply. So everyone, I'm actually usually the youngest in my class by a lot. Um, so I'm always like kind of feel like a baby, but the people, the other people in there have a variety of backgrounds. So a lot of people are from just because it's St. Kate's and they're known for their healthcare, healthcare programs. We have a lot of people who, um, are from either like a healthcare administration or even like a nursing background. So they are just looking for more leadership skills in their current position. Um, we have a lot of people who work in um, like a corporate, a corporation. So like 3M, Target, places like that. Um, and then people who do nonprofit work um, or government work. Um, I've also met some people who are just doing it for like personal growth too. So some people who are like later in life, but are just interested in the subject matter. Cool. Very cool. That's cool that you get to like meet a variety of people and then you have those connections. It's like a lot of times when you think about school or grad school, it's just like all people like working towards the same goal. And that sounds more like everyone's working towards something different and like people can help each other out to get to where they want to go. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of people who are, it really focuses on personal growth as much as professional growth. So um, you have people from a variety of backgrounds there and like having very, very different stories and backgrounds coming to it. Just like growing your network like crazy. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times you hear about grad school programs that are like super competitive, like law school and where everyone Mm -hmm. like pretends to be friends, but secretly hates each other. Right. It's not like that. <laughs> My grad school was not like that either. <laughs> I've heard too many crazy law school stories then. Yeah. <laughs> You've been watching too much law school TV. <laughs> No, we had a, my friend Molly on the podcast, and she oh yes was in law school and had some crazy times. So oh yes, yes. Healy knows she listens to the podcast. Yes, I do. <laughs> Actually, Tom's sister is in gra- is in law school, um, and she said that they one of the schools that I can't remember if it's the school she works at or the schools that she's going to, they had to make it like you would be expelled from the college or something if you ripped pages out of books from the library. And I was like, I don't get it. And Tom said that it was because people would be studying for tests and would see things that like they thought were really interesting or that might be something on the test and they wouldn't want anyone else to find it. So they would rip it out. 
so that no one else would be able to access it. And it became like a problem at the library. And so they had to be like, oh, if we find out that you ripped out a page, you'll be like kicked out of the program or something really severe. I'm probably like butchering the story, but oh my, oh my gosh, that's seriously, that's crazy. Yeah. So you've also done another research project about mental health in the workplace. Can you tell us like generally about that? Yeah, so um, that's something that I was working on this summer, um, and it was kind of more of just like a brief overview about um, yeah, mental health in the workplace and how leaders can leaders in an organization can better support what mental wellness in their organizations. Um, and so it was looking at how um, obviously mental health is something that is a huge a growing concern as like stigmas against mental health are mm-hmm. breaking down in the media, in society, more people are reaching out for um, like therapy or other resources in order to cope with mental health. Um, but often in the workplace, you still see where that stigma is really heavy. So peop- sometimes people feel like their coworkers shouldn't have t- time off for a mental health problem or uh, managers don't know how to like bridge that conversation on you know what to do if you are working with an employee who is having really bad job stress or anxiety or is dealing with depression or post-traumatic stress disorder or, you know something um, it can cause a lot of problems for an organization so when organizations have a, a workforce that's not mentally well it can you know cost them money in the form of lost productivity so people who aren't showing up to work because they're taking sick time or extended absences for mental health reasons or they're showing up to work when they're unwell cuz they feel like they can't take time off or feel like they're not unwell enough to take a sick day and so they're not fully committed to their work when they're there um and then also employees who are less satisfied with their jobs feel less connected with their jobs or are less engaged uh, with their work, with their customers, with their coworkers, um, because of a mental health struggle that they're having. Um, and so it was looking at like that loss of productivity as though like a manager should have should want to have buy in and having a mentally healthy workforce whenever possible. Um, and then also how the the most common reasons that a person would take um, an extended leave for a mental health problem are things like depression, anxiety, and job stress, which are often the most preventable or most treatable forms of mental health. And obviously this isn't the same for every person. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, those are typically things, especially like job stress, that's something that can be prevented by just general workforce uh, or like workplace dynamic shifting. And then anxiety and depression often can be treated with um therapy or medication or a variety of things depending on the person and depending on the severity of it obviously um and so finding ways that leaders can be more conscious of um their employees and have more conversations about mental health both to you know find ways to support them um, to reduce stress in their job or show that they're supportive of them doing what they need to in order to stay healthy and then also to be able to reduce that stigma of like both themselves and then coworkers in the organization so that people um, are just like understanding mental health and its effect on work and feeling like they have the ability to take the time to work on it and then also be connected with the right resources um, that an organization might have in order to help people deal with it. 
So like most mid to large size organizations have things like employee assistance programs. I think it's like 98% of mid to large size organizations offer some sort of employee assistant program to their employees, but um, the usage for it for those is actually really low. Um, I want to say it's like less than 5% of people actually use those every single year. And that's a really easy resource um, where people can be connected to like professional health, um, like mental health workers or counselors mm-hmm. or you know whatever that they might need where a manager shouldn't be someone who's like diagnosing and like recommending treatment to someone, but they probably have some sort of thing in their organization that they can refer employees to. And when they are doing that effectively, it often leads to their employees being healthier, being more satisfied with their jobs, taking less time off work because of mental health reasons, because they're able to, you know, manage it in a way that doesn't affect their work. Yeah, my last company, I think my current company has the same thing, but it was an employee assistance program where you could log on and do five virtual therapy sessions like yeah. for free. And sometimes if you're going through something like stressful, like that's all you need is just like right. a few sessions of like someone to help you work through something. Yeah, or like learn some really good coping mechanisms mm-hmm. um, in order to when you're feeling stressful in order how feeling stressed, how you can come down from that. So you you mentioned earlier that you were presenting to a client for your other project. Was that, was this also for a client? Uh, no, just that one was a client based okay. like research project. This one was just something that we were to work on, um, on our own. So we could just pick a topic that we thought was interesting and either it was an ethics and leadership class. So either something in ethical theory or leadership theory or both. Um, so I chose leadership theory cause I wanted to look at um, mental health and leadership because it's something that I hadn't explored yet in my graduate program but something that I thought was really interesting besides like employee assistance programs and being more aware and understanding and communicative about mental health were there other solutions that that you came up with I'm trying to remember um so it was so this project was more of just like reviewing existing literature and then just presenting it it was kind of just like a broad brush stroke that our professor wanted us to just get comfortable researching for people who hadn't been exposed to that yet um in the program just depending on what pace they were on um so I'm trying to remember what strategies there were but mostly it was like looking at referring people to available resources that existed at an organization so like an employee assistant program some places even have like on-site counseling or people who can come in um and then also just creating a better atmosphere for those who struggle with mental health um so whether that's reducing stigma whether that is being more open in communication um from what I remember there's kind of a there's a lot of different solutions that people have suggested so some people think like oh if you sign like self-care contracts with your staff that's the most effective way to have people set goals for themselves and like find a way to stick to them so that they can become you know can be motivated to reach those goals and have better mental health Um, Some people think that like just having regular conversations with your employees when you're doing, you know, like appraisals or weekly check-ins or stuff like that Mm -hmm. and always having mental health be part of that conversation is an effective way to bring it in. Um, I'm trying to remember the other ways, but they're kind of escaping me. It's okay. Have you done anything, done any research or learned anything about working remotely and how that can affect organizations I haven't no I'm sure that there are other people in my program who have um but I personally have not um because I speaking of like mental health and and 
managing that and stress. I, in my last two jobs, this like current job is a little different, but I worked from home on Mondays, like every single Monday I worked from home unless I had like a meeting or something special to do. And I like called it my mental health day because it was just so helpful for me to like know that and because people talk about Sunday scaries or they're like, don't want to go back to work. And I like never had to have that because even though I was still working like I and being productive, but it was just like a peaceful day where I wouldn't have to like be like rushing off to the office. And I just knew that I would be at home in the quiet, able to get my work done. And I'm also like extreme introvert, so yeah, not having to like be stressed about having to go interact with people. Right. I was gonna say a lot of um, a lot of people talk about the importance of routine for certain people um who are struggling with their mental health, and so that could be probably fall into that category of having a routine where mm-hmm. there's like one day a week when you don't go in or where you start your week in like this like very, I guess like a very gradual like a, yeah like a gradual start. Mm-hmm. So, like, a more low-stress situation. So, probably something like that. Did you tell your coworkers that you called it a mental health day? Or is that just, like, what you called it in your head? No, I just called it in my head. And I, like, I just remember telling my family, like, oh, I, I love this work-from-home day. It's my mental health day. Because my my mom's a teacher. My dad is, like, a sales business person where you, like, can't really work from home. Like, you can sure. do some stuff, but he... I feel like it's just it's also a generational thing where mm-hmm. like our parents just like that's kind of a weird concept to th- to some people that are older. And so, yeah, I was just explaining it to my parents. And I remember saying like, oh, yeah, I just love having it. it's like a mental health day just to chill, but also be productive and like maybe get things done that you you wouldn't do in the office just because you have a little bit more downtime to just kind of crank things out. I was just curious because there's definitely days where I needed a mental health day because like life was winning and I always like feel like I have to tell someone why I'm having a sick day and Mm -hmm. then it's I make up that it's like food poisoning or the stomach flu because Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel okay to just say hey I need to like veg out and get my thoughts right or like just like work on me which is interesting because it shouldn't be so taboo. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to just do this like little project on it. That's what drew me in is because I was had the same exact thoughts mm-hmm. of if your brain is sick, why is that different than like your stomach being sick or like your sinuses being sick? Mm-hmm. So like why do we still treat it that way a lot of times in the workforce when in you know everything else that we're seeing right now like in the in TV shows, in books, in like the newspaper, we're being encouraged to like make time for ourselves and be thoughtful about our mental well-being. But in the workforce, you're like, oh, if I like feel really overwhelmed today and I don't feel well mentally and I feel like it would not be effective or like helpful for myself to go to work, why do I have to like pretend that it's yeah like a sinus infection or something? Right. Yeah. Well, that goes right along with the stigma of mental health and wh- and some pe- sometimes people are afraid to come out and come out with it or go and get treatment or go talk about it because they're like oh like it's bad I just need to like stuff it down and not talk about it but really it's 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 a disease just like cancer or Mm -hmm. the flu like you just Mm -hmm. need to go and get help and get treated for it 
not super related, but sort of related is I read an article recently about, um, I can't remember what company it was or even if they were in the U.S., but they give people, women, nine days a year, um, extra sick days for, like, period pain, which, like, TMI, but as someone that has a lot of that, I feel like there are definitely days where I want to call in sick, but I'm not going to tell my boss, like, I have really bad cramps today, like, I'm not Mm -hmm. going into work. So I feel like that's, like, another similar, like, taboo topic for some reason, even though, like, it happens to most people. Right. Yeah, it's really interesting. Emily's judging. No, I'm (laughs) just trying to figure out how I feel about that, because... On one hand, I'm like, oh, that's great. But on the other hand, I'm like, okay, is that one of those things that, like, goes too far? Wait, goes too far in what way? Like, assumes that women need time off yeah. for their period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not I like think it's really, I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, it's nice to have, like, that option, though, because, or, like, if it's just, like, oh, you have the, even if it's just, like, someone coming out and saying, like, you have the option to use your sick time for something like period yeah yeah Yeah. i think instead of giving like the extra days just saying yeah yeah or just giving everyone extra days and then just being like by the way if you need this for cramps that's totally fine yeah because when because my company doesn't accrue you just get like a set amount of vacation days and then a set amount of six days i feel like it's a lot of six sick days yeah i just don't that's true i I see that I never use all my sick days. I don't think I've yeah. ever taken a sick day. I have. Or maybe I just have Or I'll take like, like a few hours for like doctor's appointments and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I do that all the time, but I feel like most workplaces are going to a more flexible style where they're just like, ah, just go. Make sure you get your work right. done. Yeah. No, that's true. I don't know. Just thought it was an interesting article. Yeah, that is really interesting. No, it is interesting. Okay. So majorly shifting gears here <laughs> to not that grad school and business and all the things we were just talking about aren't fun but a super fun topic keely just got engaged a few months ago and we're super excited so excited i cried when i found out even though i knew it was happening (laughs) did you tell keely the story about how we were at camille's wedding i'm pretty sure yes yeah uh yeah so it was Hannah's wedding, right? Yeah. Oh, Hannah's, Hannah's wedding. I yeah. pictured the place. Yes, yeah. Hannah's wedding, not Camille's. That so was maybe this is too much backstory, but that's okay. When Tom and Keely first started, da- I'm just like the type of person who gets so excited, like <laughs> for other people. Like that sounds really weird, but like you love love. I can just feel other people's feelings, and then when they're when my friends are happy, I just like get so ha- happy, and that's like an empath. Like I'm just like I don't know, and. Um, so when Tom was like about to start dating Keely, like they were like not official yet, but then they came, became official. I remember Tom called me and I have this vivid memory of like sitting in this little potato chip chair in his dorm room (laughs) and he was like, yeah, like we're official. We started dating. And I was like, yes. (laughs) And I like that at that point in my life, it was when you tweeted every thought you had. Yes. And so I tweeted, I want to climb a mountain. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> and it was like, at Tom, because I was so excited. <laughs> and then. Um, and do you send that to him every year on time? Hop? Yeah, because it's their anniversary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like one of the very few people who still uses time hop. And oh, I use it every okay, day. I have good. like a streak of over a thousand. Oh, my so. gosh. 
wow, we're the same. Okay. <laughs> I feel a lot better. Um, so then, like, years go by. They're still dating, obviously. <laughs> and <laughs> um, Spoiler. <laughs> and Tom told me, like, a while ago that when he proposes, it's probably going to be at Disney World. Oh, which yeah. makes sense because you guys had been there mm-hmm. and we're like planning another trip. And, and so you love Disney. <laughs> yeah, we're big Disney people. <laughs> and so I knew that and like had that in the back of my mind. And then I like saw one day that you were about to plan a Disney trip. And I was like, yes, it's happening. <laughs> and then um, I tried to like cris- cryptically ask Tom about it once. And he like totally had no idea what I was saying. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to drop this. And then... At Hannah's wedding, I, like, specifically asked about it while you were fittingly, like, off catching the bouquet. Not actually actually catching it, but just, like, Hannah was throwing the bouquet, and I was standing, like, in a corner with Tom, and I'm like, so, Disney World, like... Is that is that happening? And then he was like, "No, it's probably gonna be sooner." And I just like started like tearing up and crying. And he was like, obviously thinking I'm ridiculous because I am. <laughs> and um, and then you were walking back over, and he was just like, "Stop! Like, you have to pull yourself together." And so I just like ran away because I couldn't handle myself. And I remember had to go, I was like, like, "Is she okay?" And he was like, "Yeah, she just like really loves weddings." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> It's just like fair. <laughs> so then I just waited for it to happen and it was great. Yeah, it was great. It was um like a couple weeks after that actually. So we got engaged in February. Um and it is a very cute engagement story, so I'll tell it. Um <laughs> so I got Tom tickets to go see Trevor Noah for Christmas. And so I had like this whole thing planned of like we're gonna go see Trevor Noah, like you can pick where you wanna go to dinner, whatever. Um, and then I also had a coworker who had gotten tickets for her and her son to go see Trevor Noah that night too. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, let's go have dinner with Julie. And Tom was like, I really want to go to Sweeney's, which is like this restaurant in St. Paul. I love that place. Um, he was like, can you please tell them that I want to go to Sweeney's? And I was just like, okay, like Tom really wants to go to Sweeney's, whatever. And I was like, oh, can we go to Sweeney's? And like, my friend was like, yeah, sure. That's great. And I was like, okay, cool. And then like, we're getting ready that day. And it was just, like, a great day because I was, like, we're going to go out to dinner. We're going to, like, go see Trevor Noah, who's, like, hilarious. Like, it's going to be great. And so we, like, drive to Sweeney's, and it had just had, like, one a heavy snowfall the day before. So I just feel so bad for Tom looking back because I was just so clueless on, like, what was going to happen. And I distinctly remember that the whole way to Sweeney's, I was talking, like, incessantly about the snowplows. And I was like, look at their snowplows over there, too. And, like, ooh, they're doing the highway now. It was probably (laughs) just, like, so annoying. But, like, I was just obsessed. You're just being yourself. You had no idea what was happening. I had no idea. I mean, so that was probably, like, really reassuring for him as I was, like, completely (laughs) no idea. yeah. (laughs) Um, And so we go to Sweeney's. And, like, Sweeney's doesn't really have a parking lot. So he, like, parks on the side street. And I was like, okay, cool. And... And we're walking, and they had one of those, like, little free library stands, the, like, take a book, leave a book um, stations. And I almost always stop at them because I'm a huge reader. I love looking at the books. But it was, like, 10 degrees, and I was wearing heels, and I was, like, really focused on how I was going to get across this very snowy street in heels and, like, not get hit by a car. 
And so I just like walked right by it. But Tom stopped and was looking in it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, Tom reads too, you know? <laughs> and so he's looking in it for kind of like a while though. And I turn around and I'm like, like do you want to go? Like, we need to go. Um, and he pulls out this book and he's like, look at what's in here. Isn't this funny? And hands it to me. And the book was called How to Propose Without Screwing It Up. And one of my good friends has got, had gotten engaged the week before. So I was like, oh, funny. Like, you know, everyone's like pressuring us to get engaged. We had been together for six years. Um, and I was like, oh, like, this is so funny, you know. And then he gets down on one knee and like pulls a ring box out of his pocket and I was like, this is a really weird joke. And like this weird joke has a lot of props. <laughs> and then he like opened the ring box and there was like an actual ring in there. And then he asked me to marry him. And I was like, is this a real joke? Is this a joke? And he was like, no, this is real. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he like asked again. And I was like, yes, you know. <laughs> um, but I was like in complete shock for the whole night. And he was like, we're not going to Sweeney's like your friend isn't there, like your coworker. He had to call my boss in order to get in touch with my coworker because my coworker wasn't picking up her phone because her phone number had like just changed. And so it was like this whole thing that like all these people knew what was going on except for me. Our roommate at the time, so we had a friend who had was living with us at the time and she was like down the street like ready to take photos of us afterwards and she had like planted the book. So like all these people like knew this thing was going on and I was just like talking about the snow plows, you know. But it was very cute. And then we, like, actually had, like, a really nice dinner and did go see Trevor Noah. Like, that was real. But, yeah, it was very, very That's cute. so adorable. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Also, how is Trevor Noah? Because I love him. Oh, he was great. He was so <laughs> funny. It was actually, like, the best thing to do, like, right after we got engaged. Yeah. Because we, like, had this, like, peaceful bubble of we were just, like, together yep. watching this, like, really funny, super entertaining show and, like, pretty much no one knew mm -hmm. what had just happened like we so my friend who was also going to the show knew um and we tried to call my mom and she was at work so she didn't answer <laughs> so we like didn't get a hold of her until like later that night yeah um yeah and so and then we called like one other friend of mine and like had told them so it was like we were in like this like really blissful bubble where like no one knew but like we were so happy and like so excited and we just got to like go sit there and like be entertained Aww. it was great i love it <laughs> just basking in the glow of your story i know i've got like a smile stuck on my face <laughs> Okay, so your ring is beautiful. We don't, we don't have to talk about this a lot, but rose gold friends. Yes. Did you um like did you like give him hints of what kind of ring you wanted? So we actually get that question a lot because um so I have a sapphire ring, so it's a blue stone and it's like has a halo setting and it's rose gold. And so a lot of people are like, "Did you just like choose sapphire on your own because it's like a really bold move?" Um, but he did have, like, some suggestions for me. Like, I have always said that I really wanted a blue ring and sapphire is my birthstone. And I've always said I really wanted a sapphire ring because I, I just, like, personally like that look better. Mm -hmm. um, and so he did have, like, that hint of that. So, yeah. We had an idea. So we had been dating for six years and kind of had, like, an idea on when we were going to get engaged. So we also had, like, talked about it mm -hmm. and stuff enough beforehand that yeah. he... It wasn't, like, a surprise to me that, like, oh, like, one day I'll get a ring or yeah. something. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so how has wedding planning been going? It's been going pretty good. Um, So we're having a pretty long engagement. So we got engaged in February 2019, and we're not getting married until October 2020. So 
Um, and part of that is just because of like where we are with me in school and like both of us working and we just wanted to have our, give ourselves time to plan. Um, but we've actually gotten a lot done, which is nice. So we kind of have like all of our big things done. We have like our venue for like our ceremony and our reception. Our venue also does like all of our catering. We have our DJ. We have our like photographer. So we have like a bunch of the big stuff done mm-hmm. and like a general theme. So it's been going pretty well. I think the most stressful thing was just like finding a venue because we knew that we wanted to get married at St. Thomas um, at on their chapel on campus. Um, but then we needed to find like a separate reception venue. And so like playing this game of like what dates work, even when you're that far in advance is like just really stressful and like trying to figure out what mm-hmm. is like appropriate for like your style and your guests and your budget and like all of that. So it was stressful right at the beginning but then after we had that we've been kind of like pretty chill about it moving forward so we're trying to be we always say that we're trying to be like really chill like bride and groom like we don't I don't want to be like a crazy bride or something because I at the end of the day like I just I just want to get married like we just want to have a big party with like our friends and family and be in love and like eat cake so (laughs) that's awesome yeah I love it I feel like I go back and forth on, um, like some people say I really wanted a long engagement so that I've had time to plan and time to be chill and time to figure things out. But if I, if I would have had a long engagement, I feel like I would have gone crazy. Like, I'm just like really glad we got it over with in less than a year. Yeah. We hear both ways too. Like some people are like, oh, you're so smart for giving yourselves time and like being able to relax and stuff. And then some people are like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Like I would be so stressed, Mm -hmm. but we both are such planners. Like we plan like everything out. And so for us, I think it's almost like therapeutic to be able to like have this long timeline because yep. we feel like we can manage all of those details. And like I have this huge spreadsheet that we're working on. I was off. just going to ask, do you have an Excel spreadsheet? Yes, I do. <laughs> I am an Excel person. I love it. And so, yeah, we have like color coded things that tell us what to do every single month leading up to the wedding. So it's like we have checklists, we have everything. And like for us, that's how we plan and like that's mm-hmm. how we feel comfortable like the last two days Tom has been like going crazy like looking at honeymoon things which is like we don't even need to be anywhere close to planning that right now but that's just like what we like to do so well it sneaks up on you really fast like you would not think that like you needed to do that but like sometimes those things that take a long time and have like a longer decision process you really need more time to just like think about what you want right instead of having to like make a snap decision because sometimes I think back and I'm like well I wish I would have had more time to like think and like process and like actually picture what it was going to be like instead of just having to be like nope this is I have to choose this 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 so yeah but it is possible. My brother and sister-in-law planned their wedding in like three months. So Yeah, we have friends that have done it too. And I'm just like kudos to you guys because for me, I feel like I would, I could never do it. Like I think I'd be running around like a crazy person. That I would be a horrible person to be around like those whole three months. So yeah, I mean, you can, people can totally do it. And I admire those who can. I'm like in the 18 month out camp though. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's different. I probably was a horrible person to be around like the month before. My oh, I'm sure I will be too. <laughs> Only human. <laughs> yes. Stress. So you you and Tom moved in together before you got engaged. Yes. Was that like a decision 
or what was the decision process like to move in together? Yeah, so um, we both had been living separately with roommates, obviously in college and then after college for a couple years. Um, and it got to the point where, I mean, we knew that we wanted to get married and that we were planning on being together forever and ever and ever. Um, <laughs> but um, kind of, we were kind of in situations where like our roommate situations were kind of running out or we were on leases and we were kind of wanting to move in together just like economically, it would have been a good decision for us. And we knew that we... I mean, not that people who move in together before knowing they want to be with someone is a bad thing because everyone can make their own choices. But um, we knew that we wanted to be together. We knew that we wanted to live together and we were interested in buying a house just for the sake of doing that before a wedding. Just financially, we thought that it was a a better decision for us. Um, So we bought a house um last May so May 2018 is when we moved in and we didn't get engaged until um February so not quite a year after but like nine months afterwards and so we've been living together you know and weren't engaged when we moved in together so for us it was just a decision of like we knew that we were going to get get together be together that we were going to get married that we financially it made sense for us to live together and it made sense for us to buy a house at that time um, so we decided to do that, just do it in a different order. And it's worked well so far. Like, I think a lot of people are like sometimes worn against living with someone before you're engaged or before you're married. But for us, we really haven't had any problems. And we had like traveled together quite a bit and we had, you know, spent a lot of time with each other, each other's families and everything. We had been together for like for five years when we bought a house together so I mean a lot of people are like already married and like by then so yeah 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 I feel like when people warn against moving in together before you're married it's for either like religious reasons or yeah you don't have the mindset of I'm gonna be with this person forever which is like you guys did so yeah we also knew that like there was there were reasons that we weren't planning on getting married any earlier so like financially we wanted to make like the financial decision of having a house Mm -hmm. beforehand Mm -hmm. and then also we when we bought our house we were both in graduate school and both working full-time so we were like there's no way we're throwing a wedding on top of this Mm -hmm. like both financially and just like for our own well-being like wouldn't be (laughs) smart and so we wanted to wait until at least one of us had was done with grad school so he finished last summer Um, and so that's when, so that's when we were able to kind of like shift gears into more of like, okay, like what comes next for like our life together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but it's been, I mean, it's been great living together. We carpool to work, which is really cool because we work a mile from one another. So I think that's like a really unique experience. Um, we did have a roommate who lived with us for about a year. Um, so that was also really helpful as we had a house, but we were also kind of in like a roommate situation where we had someone there too. So yeah, it was a good transition. I always wonder. I wonder what it would be like to be a roommate of a couple. Like obviously, I've never experienced that. I wonder what it would be like if yeah. someone moved in with me and Matthew. They <laughs> probably <laughs> think we're really weird, which we are. I'm sure that that's like what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was someone who we were really close friends with, and someone who I had lived true. with in college. Yeah. So she was, I would say, kind of used to us. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it worked out really well for us. So. Yeah. I feel like you'd have to be good friends with both people in the couple mm-hmm. for yeah. it to work out. Yeah. Like, all be good friends. and 
Yeah. So. We all had, like, our separate interests with one another that I think helped. Like, obviously, like, Tom and I are in a relationship, so we have our own interests. And then, like, Teresa and I were really good friends, and we liked, like, certain TV shows that we would watch together. And then, like, Tom and Teresa also had, like, certain things that they both liked, and so they could talk about those. So, mm-hmm. like, whatever, like, combination of us we had. Mm-hmm. And, like, all three of us were kind of, like... We would act like a unit, like we would like go grocery shopping together, like have like, yeah. family dinners sometimes and stuff. So um, it worked out really well. So I should move in with you and Scout, Emily? If you want, <laughs> we have an extra room. <laughs> you can move in with Tom and I. Oh, you're looking for another roommate? Um, <laughs> not actively, but I mean, if you really want to. <laughs> we have a you probably, spare room is really cute. You probably okay. should live with Tom and Keely because you have a dog. Yeah, we have moose. <laughs> we have a cat though, so. Oh, yeah. What would you rather, cat or dog? Cats don't shed. Yeah, they do. Do they? A lot. Oh. It's not bad. Actually, our cat doesn't shed that much. But I would say it's not average, like less than average. I also feel like cats like mind their own business. Or is that not the case? I mean, I think it depends. Our cat's like pretty sweet, I probably might need to stay in my own home. (laughs) (laughs) You can stay in your house. (laughs) My cat growing up would like, if anyone slept over, she would like find them and just like lay on their chest in the night. She, like, was the type of cat who just, like, needed to be laying on someone at all times. So, yeah, you'd have to watch out. Or my friend Rachel's cat used to do that. Like, I would sleep and we'd shut the door, but the door had a gap underneath that the cat could crawl through. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, would, would, like, crawl up in the bed. And I was like, I can't. I, like, didn't sleep the whole night. And I've never stayed there since. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Our cat has... Like we, so we have like a very large bedroom, and so we have like um like a small couch in there because mm-hmm. we have like kind of like a sitting area in our bedroom. It's kind of hard to explain, um. But our cat sleeps on that couch, like next to our bed, and he's claimed one of my sweaters. Like I can't have it back, <laughs> and so he sleeps on it every night. And if you like don't put it on there, he cries. So oh my gosh, on bed. R.I.P. No. to your sweater. Yeah. It's okay because it's like a really, it's like if he had to pick one, it was like the best one. Like, it's okay. like one of those old ones that I was like, I should probably stop wearing this to work. It's kind of ugly. It's he like knew. really knobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He picked a good one. Funny. Funny how animals have their own, have their routines too. Because our dog will come in, like, we say, okay, Moose, time for bed. And he will go, goes to a little bed because he has two beds, one for Aww. the day and one for the night. <laughs> so cute my parents dog is like that too they're like bear go to bed and he runs up the stairs and goes lays at the foot of their bed (laughs) so cute so he's allowed inside now yeah they my parents put dog let the dogs in the house as soon as i went to college like otherwise they were outside dogs and they would come in when it was really cold in the winter because we lived but we lived out in the country so they were always like just like wandering and Whatever, but as soon as, yeah, I left, they're like, okay, dog's in the house now. <laughs> they missed you. Had to fill the void. <laughs> Maybe. Or they knew that I would not tolerate. Right, true. <laughs> they're like, okay, grumpy lady's gone. <laughs> Poor dogs. <laughs> Going back to the marriage discussion, one more marriage question before we do our last question. What are you guys' thoughts on changing your name when you get married? Yeah, good question. So I do not plan on changing my name when I get married. Um, I mean, I think that we're both in the camp of like do what you want as a human being and as a couple, like do what makes you happy. Um, for me though, like I really like my name as it is and I really like my last name and I um like being a Norton and 
feel and so I'm an only child and so I feel like I have this want to like carry on my name and I also say that I've like done a lot of work as Keely Norton so (laughs) I'm not gonna just like change my name um not that I have like a crazy like professional network or like anything like that but I'm still like proud of like the stuff that I've done previous and I want to keep that so um we are both keeping our names so we nothing is going to change it's actually funny because we like went to marriage counseling last night with um like a deacon at our church and he was like giving us this whole pitch about like your marriage certificate and like how it needs to have this special seal like in order for you to change your name and like for all these things and I was like okay, yeah actually this isn't relevant like we don't need this and he was like oh okay and I was like sorry you just talked about that for five minutes but yeah was he like judgmental at all of that of that I always wonder because I'm not Catholic so but I've been around a lot of Catholic people and went to Catholic schools and I always wonder when two people who are trying to get married in the Catholic church but like are also of this day and age like what yeah. do the priests and deacons and like people yeah like tell you or how do they react to some of the things that you're doing yeah I was a little bit concerned about that too like obviously we live together um and then also Tom isn't Catholic he wasn't raised Catholic mm-hmm. um and so but we want to get married in a Catholic church because we want to get married at St. Thomas and I am Catholic so I that's what I have always just like pictured for myself um but we've done one counseling session with our like actual deacon and then we also went to this retreat through the archdiocese that's like required for people getting married in the archdiocese here um and i was actually surprised by how like lenient they were about things like they at the retreat that we went to they were like very open and like like definitely acknowledged that there were people in the room who weren't catholic or people who were maybe like you know like not as familiar with like the catholic teachings or like the catholic mass or stuff like that and they also would say things like we know that people have like made decisions that are maybe different than this but we want to talk about like why this is like the decision that like the church supports most often or something and so they've more just like had they like more focus on having like conversations about the choices that you have made or the choices that you do make um, and talk about like what that means to you as opposed to just saying like, oh no, like you have to take the guy's name or like, no, you can't live together. We're not going to marry you or something. And they're more just like, okay, like that just means that there's a different dynamic in your relationship. So like, let's address that as opposed to just shutting it down. Cause it's something that I was like, definitely really worried about going into it. So, but they've been, I mean, I think they've been like pretty cool about everything so far. And even last night, like they seemed fine. No one seems like I don't think that people like are really surprised by like young people yeah. these days at this point. So <laughs> they're just happy yeah. you're still like yeah. in I the was, church. Well, I was like, yeah, you just like probably like need people to get married in right. the Catholic Church <laughs> these days. So yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Did I ask you this already? Who your um, I guess who led the retreat you went to at the Archdiocese? Yeah. Um. So it was there was like one guy who was like the main coordinator for it, but there was like different sessions, um. And every session except for one was led by a couple, like a married couple. So there's one session that was called like the sacrament of marriage or something. It was led by a priest. But like to be fair, I think that a priest probably should. It was probably like the person who knows like the sacrament <laughs> the most. So okay, Keely, as a loyal listener, you should know this. <laughs> it's very stressful. <laughs> Our last question that we ask all of our guests is, 
If you had a reality show about your life, what would it be called and why? I was very stressed about this question because I knew it was coming and I like kept saying that I don't feel like I have like a like niche in my life that I can go off of. So I finally landed on my show would be called Okay Also because I say okay also all the time when I'm talking and I feel like it's the most relevant thing for me because I feel like I always I like find a lot of things interesting so I like a lot of different topics and so my life my reality show would probably just be like me going about my life and every time I saw something that was interesting I'd be like okay also we need to talk about this I really like that I do too I feel like that's such a catchy like show name I would watch that yeah (laughs) okay also you also don't know what's coming so I feel like it's like an adventure it just reminds me of like being with like a group of friends or something when everyone's like talking and cutting each other off or like like bickering in like a loving way and it's like okay also mm-hmm. right, or like, like okay but point. also and I feel like I say that a hundred times a day like a couple months ago I can't remember how this got started but I it was like a group of us were asking like what's something that I say all the time and I asked Tom like what's a phrase that I say all <laughs> the time and he said you say okay also all the time so I love it yeah We'll have to go back and see if I said that at all on the podcast. Yes, we will. I think I was probably good about it because I I'm knew that I now. shouldn't just say okay also every time I want to start a new thought. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like my version of okay also is slash, which I say a lot less now, but Oh, sure. Like sometimes I'll find myself like texting someone and just starting it with slash. Like I was I do like, that too. That's how I change a topic. The topic in texting. I feel like I say that a lot too. But you, yeah. but I like spell it out, S L E. Yeah. Duh. How else would you write? Just well, kidding. like, well, instead <laughs> no, of just like a slash <laughs> yeah. mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if there's something else you say regularly. Loyal listeners, please write in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of likes. Um, uh, yeah. Don't yeah. count those for totes. I don't know. I can't think. You haven't spent enough time with me lately. I know it's been so long. I was talking about that. Like it actually makes me sad, and it's only been like two weeks. Like <laughs> honestly, since I've seen Emily's face, but it it felt like a lifetime. <laughs> oh. Roommates at heart, always pizza for your thoughts. Anyway, um. anyway, thank you so much, Keely, for for being on the floral couch today. We've loved having you. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Yeah, we. This was fun for us as well, and. I look forward to hearing about your future group projects via your Instagram. Do you want to plug that so other people can also enjoy the uh, whirlwind that is group projects? Oh, yes, please. Um, you can follow me at Keely K. Norton. I will spell it for you because my name is weird. <laughs> um, K-E-E-L-E-Y-K-N-O-R-T-O-N. Hottest in the game. <laughs> Yes. True story. <laughs> we will also link that in our show notes. Yes. So awesome. Feel free to head on over there. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Floral Couch Conversations. You can find us at floralcouchconversations.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Floral Couch Conversations. If you're liking what you're hearing, tell everyone you've ever met and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any questions or need advice on anything, feel free to shoot us an email at floralcouchconversations at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.